This is a Federal News Network podcast. The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement, which is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Network. Off the Shelf gives a voice to commercial service and product companies selling in the federal market. Roger speaks to members and government officials about procurement policy, trends, innovations, and debate. Now your host, Roger Waldron. Today my guests on Off the Shelf are Karen Brazell. Karen is the Chief Acquisition Officer and Principal Executive Director of the VA's Office of Acquisition Logistics and Construction, and Angela Billups. Angela is the VA's Senior Procurement Executive, and she is the Executive Director of the VA's Office of Acquisition and Logistics. Two different uh, sub-office, I guess, right, within uh, um, Acquisition Logistics and Construction. Um, Guys, first of all, welcome to the show. Thank you. Well, I'm looking forward to to the conversation um, and I guess the first thing I want to do is start by giving you guys an opportunity to talk a little bit about your background and how you came to the VA. And I think we'll start with Karen. Um, so so what, tell us about yourself a little bit. All right. Thanks, Roger. So I'm an Army veteran. Um, I'm also a former military spouse, and my husband's retired Army. I come from a family of military veterans, starting with my grandfather, my father, my mother, uh, my wow. brother, and my father-in-law. Um, I served as a DOD contractor for 17 years before returning to the federal service in 2006 as a Navy program manager. And I I was promoted to positions of responsibility, including the deputy director for acquisition and resource integration. And then I was selected to serve as the White House military office chief of staff prior to accepting my position as VA's chief acquisition officer. So so you have that military family? You have the experience at DOD, and now you're serving at the VA. And I'll get into the, it's just an interesting direction and how it sort of evolved. Did you ever think you'd be at the VA at this point in your career? No, right. I did not. Yeah, it's interesting how that things like that happen. Angela, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, good morning, everyone. Thank you, Roger. I uh, started my career. My husband was active due to military, so I actually started my career in Europe. Uh, I was, my husband was stationed overseas, and of course, I went with him. And um, I just kind of landed in uh, acquisition. It wasn't something that I chose. It kind of chose me. But as the years went on, I understood, you know, why I I do this, what I do. But I started out, like I said, overseas uh, working for DOD. And some of the things that I learned over the years working for DOD as it relates to acquisition is how it's very important to just understand the mission so my my um, journey into coming to VA has been one that, that uh, I think was also something that was kind of meant to happen because I went from my husband being active due to military, uh, doing uh, contracting and acquisition for uh, the active duty uh, military, and then the natural transition from that, of course, is the veterans. But in between that, I spent some time at several federal agencies, such as uh, the Department of Health and Human Services, as well as the Department of Education. And one of the reasons why I decided to uh, make the uh, uh, transfer over to the VA is because uh, one of the things that I was going through, my father is a veteran also, and so he was trying to get some services from the VA, and I found that it was a little challenging, some of the things that I had to deal with. And one of the things that I love to do 
is to find an area where I can really make a difference and be able to to make some corrections or be able to help. And so that is the reason why I'm at VA, because I do uh, understand the plight of the veterans, because I do, like I said, my husband is a veteran and so is my father. So that's how I came to the VA. So both of you guys, when you came to the VA, it strikes me both of your commitment to the veterans. And in my experience in dealing with the VA over the years is that's one of the things that always struck me. You know, there are challenges, obviously, organizationally, and, there, you know, it's a huge organization. It's hard to manage for anybody. Um, but the commitment of the people on a day-to-day basis to support the veterans, you know, that's something that struck me. Is that something that, you know, that you got to see firsthand when you first got there? Absolutely. I, I The VA has at least 60% of the workforce that are veterans. So you see the commitment to giving back to those who served. Right. And now, we, yeah, let's talk a little bit about what your guys are trying to do to, to deliver for veterans in, the, in, in terms of acquisition reform, changing programs, addressing things. And first, Karen, I just overarching, can you talk about some of your priorities um, since you've come to the VA in terms of management and, and, and working on the acquisition systems and workforce and that sort of thing at the VA? Absolutely. So within the Office of Acquisition, Logistics, and Construction, we have our mantra, and it's called We Will Act. And it's not by choice, it's by design. So ACT stands for Accountability, Customer Service, and Transformation, which are our three main goals. And it represents um, how we will improve the customer and employee experience, how we're going to advance our craft so that we can champion better business outcomes for the veteran. And it embodies how we do business and set customer expectations. And as an organization, we are working to ensure that there is transparency um, in our procurement and construction management processes, clarity of specifications and requirements, not desirements. (laughs) That's vitally important. (laughs) It is, so that we can manage customer expectations. And then ensuring that we have clear um, clear and frequent communication, not just from leadership down, but from the folks in the field up and across the VA, breaking down those communication barriers. Because one of the things coming in as a program manager, I have always believed that you bring all the stakeholders to the uh, table. When a customer comes to you with a need or their requirement, you bring all those stakeholders, and that includes our industry partners, and, and, and sitting down and looking at what, what does success look like to you, and then identifying those objectives to get us there, but then backwards engineering to the contracting aspect of it, to the logistics, to the financial. If it's got a pretty much everything we do at the VA it involves um, 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 IT. And then there's the cybersecurity part of it. So bringing all those stakeholders, oh, and I cannot forget our Office of General Counsel, you have to have the, uh, the procurement lawyers up front because too many times that we've went down paths um, towards an acquisition strategy and you put a lot of resources into that only to find out that when you do bring the council in, they're like, hey, we're not going to support this. So if you bring everybody up front, that, that's, that's key. So I have, to, I have to riff on that a little bit, Karen. So as a government contracts lawyer, like you know, at, at GSA for 20 years and in the private sector, you're absolutely spot on on that, that you have to have the lawyers um, right up front as part of the acquisition planning process from the very beginning, so they understand what you're trying to achieve. You know, they can help you uh, and not be a hurdle, help you figure out the way to navigate the rules and that sort of thing. Has that been your experience, Angela? Yes, absolutely, because 
what I tell people, acquisition is really a team sport. And acquisition is more than just uh, the executing the contract. A lot of times people think, you know, you if we get the money on the contract, then that is the end all to be all, but it's not. If It's just like building a house. If you don't start and get the front end and the foundation of the house correct and the foundation for acquisition is that strategy and that plan and having the right people involved when you're trying to pull together that strategy and that plan, then the whole thing really, you know, you may get to the finish line and say, I obligated the money, but you got a contract nightmare. And so those are some of the things that we're trying to do at the VA is to help to bring the right people to the table at the right time so that we're not spinning our wheels and having to go backwards all the time because we missed something that we should have done in the first place. Yeah, that's the key to, to me. That's the key to sound business outcomes. Absolutely. That's a win-win for everybody in that case. One of the things that just, um, you know, we've got about a minute left in this segment. Um, and this is good overarching discussion. But um, the thing that struck me too, Karen, and I hear both your thoughts on this, but the, the, you mentioned transparency and, and the communication, and you talked about communication internally with the VA, which I get, you know, given the way it's structured, you know, the stovepipes and things, trying to work on that, but also the communication with industry. And one of the things I've seen over the last several years is, you know, uh, you know an outreach from the VA in an, an engagement that where, you know, previously there wasn't that commitment and outreach and ongoing conversation. You know, you don't always agree on strategies and you do a push and pull and that sort of thing. But the important thing is building that trust. And I, and it's, it's re- changed in a remarkable uh, manner over the last few years. I just want to let you know that and, and get any thoughts you have on that. Well, one of the things, um, Angela, when, I came on 18 months ago. I think Angela's um, probably at the 14-month mark or coming up on it. Um, we can't do everything by ourselves, and, and industry does have best business practices. And, and so many times um, we have a very large 1102 workforce. Um, we, we're trying to get folks out of looking at it from an 1102 perspective to an acquisition lifecycle perspective, the entire acquisition uh, workforce uh, as a whole and across the VA, not what's just good for VHA, VBA, or NCA, but what's good for the enterprise. And and the FAR gives us the latitude. Too many times folks feel like, well, the FAR is restricting me from doing that. No, it doesn't. And that's one thing Angela's brought is a different perspective. I mean, she can just sit there and quote you what the FAR chapter says and, and how it allows you that flexibility. What we're trying to do is um, instill that flexibility through our VA Acquisition um, Academy, which Angela's responsible for the oversight and the management of that. But getting that down to the folks in the field so that they're the ones bringing the innovation back to the leaders. Because we can sit here all day as leaders and think how things are going to work. And I've seen it too many times after working my way up through the ladder is the folks at the top of the ladder don't often know the constraints and the issues that the folks in the field are dealing with. Mm-hmm. Right, at that operational level, mm-hmm. right, Angela? Right, at the operational level. But, you know, one of the things that you had mentioned is uh, how important that collaboration and that partnership is with industry. Uh, everything that we buy at the VA is commercial in nature. And so what we have to do is to be able to uh, look across wherever there are best practices as it relates to the various mission areas at the VA and and look for them to help us to do what we need to do to serve our veterans better. And so that's what's really, really important. And one of the things that I share with industry, it doesn't matter where I go as far as a speaking engagement or whatever, is we need you. 
And it's up to all of us to be good stewards over these tax dollars that come to the VA. And so one of the things that I am finding since I've been at the VA is industry is there and they do want to help us. We have we have industry coming into us and saying, you know, you have awarded 62 contracts for this one software license that I sell and you don't need 62 contracts. Right. You know, we could do better. 62 different prices. Exactly, yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we are welcoming them to come in and, and have these discussions with us because there's a lot that needs to be changed. There's a lot that needs to be helped. But at the end of the day, I can honestly say working at VA now for a little bit over a year, I can tell you the leadership is committed and it there is commitment and it doesn't matter whether it's at the top or the bottom, but we do have some challenges and we are addressing those. Guys, we're up on the break. And when we come back, um, we'll start talking about some of the key programs. And one of the first ones I want to talk about is the VA logistic, Logistics Redesign, VALOR. Um, very cool acronym. So uh, my guests today are Karen Brazell. She is the Chief Acquisition Officer at the VA. And Angela Billups, who is the Senior Procurement Executive at the, v- at the VA. I'm Roger Waldron. You're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf. I'm Roger Waldron. My guests today are Karen Brazell. Karen is the Chief Acquisition Officer at the VA and Angel Billups, who is the Senior Procurement Executive at the VA. And uh, guys, when we took the break, um, yeah, I mentioned Valor um, as a you know, one of your key initiatives um, at the VA in, tr- in terms of working on the overall logistics procurement reform kind of, of the VA operation. So, you know, Karen, what is Valor? It's a great question, Roger. So one of Secretary- that's an easy that's an easy one for me. <laughs> it makes it easy. <laughs> uh, one of Secretary Wilkie's five priorities is supply chain modernization. So VA has an agency wide goal of modernizing systems infrastructure in systems infrastructure and is implementing projects to replace those antiquated financial and acquisition systems. So VA logistics redesign, aka Valor. Um, those efforts align with this goal, and what we're doing is to interface all the VA business transformation systems, such as electronic health record modernization and financial business transformation systems, FMBT, um, so that we have um, a robust system that we can procure medical surgical supplies and equipment. Um, so the VA supply chain management system was developed in-house and is insufficient with significant capability gaps and doesn't meet the industry needs, or I should say the enterprise needs. So by implementing the Defense Medical Logistics Standard Support, also known as DEMLs, it fulfills VA's modernization efforts. So a lot of people say, okay, DEMLs. Um, It is a DOD partnership under 38 U.S. Code 8111, so we're looking to leverage the DA's capabilities um, through their Defense Health Agency their, their programs that they have today. So DEMLS provides that enterprise-wide um, one-stop shop application. So if you say, well, what does that mean? Uh, it does tr- strategic sourcing. It does inventory management, biomedical equipment maintenance, property management, facility management, uh, distribution and transportation management. It tracks um, our contingency, you know, the assembly management, as well as it does the housekeeping, construction, leasing. So it's one-stop shop that is really going to transform the way the medical centers deliver um, logistics today. So is that, you know, it seems one of the things that I've learned in working with the VA over the years is that the issue of data, you know, under you know that you're really talking about being able to manage and understand even what you're buying, mm-hmm. and the systems aren't, you know, 
just frankly aren't haven't been up to snuff and to for that support and all, and I think is that compounded from your perspective on sort of the 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 structure of the VA you know and you know where you have the visions and you have all the local medical facilities the hospitals and so so you have all these different you know sort of entities out there buying um, and oftentimes buying on their own rather than in a coordinated manner through a logistic system is is that is that I mean is that a fair that's a, is that fair to say that's a challenge you're trying to have both organizationally and you know from your IT perspective and data management perspective absolutely um, one of these things as we are implementing these this business transformation and modernization there are so many legacy systems that it seems like every week's a discovery um, as we're starting to um, tie in um, the various different um, applications that we use for asset management or the way we order supplies, um, it's very rudimentary. And it's not that we're trying to, what we're trying to do is do a a cultural shift to help folks modernize the way they do business. Um, One of the things the VA has is an all-employee survey. And, And in 2018 and 2019, me specifically and my team, I've heard that workload. Um, Dr. Billups and I, when we've went to many of the acquisition academies, um, senior acquisition leadership programs, that's what we hear. Help us reduce our workload. Well, no wonder we have workload. When we have, Angela talked about potentially 60 to 80 contracts for the, the same product or service. Um, and you don't even know it. And we don't right, even right, know right. it. Yeah, that's yeah. that's where we talk about we're slowly um, the discovery. There are so many opportunities because there's ways to modernize and to deliver that better care or provide that better uh, service to our veterans. And at the end of the day, every dollar that we can save or we can reprioritize to those other priorities with the primarily, you know, being that of healthcare delivery for the medical, surgical right. supplies and equipment. So. Just and, and how is the demos and this effort? How is it? You know, do you have, how is it being rolled out over time? Well, currently we have implemented it at the um, Captain James A. Level um, Medical Facility in North Chicago, uh, and that that's our that's a DOD and VHA joint medical center. It has worked well um, to date. And, and realize we only went live March of last year. Sure. We, we've got yeah. about an 8% cost avoidance. And, and we are utilizing the DLA, um, the Defense Logistics Agency, troop support. Um, we're using their catalog system yep. for the medical surgical. It's not um, the 100% where we want to be, but at least it gives us that idea where we can compare some of the VA pricing to those supplies and equipment as we would do to DLA and if you um, do the Delta, we're about an 8% cost avoidance. And I do want to make it clear, everybody's worried that we're, you know, this modernization is going to take jobs away. It's not taking jobs away. If anything, I want we, our goal is to reduce workload. I want to help Dr. Stone and his team reduce that workload and, and be able to shift those resources to other priorities. Right. And so, and then depending on how that sort of, if you call it a pilot or whatever at that location, you're going to roll it out over time. Correct. Um, Vision 20, our uh, our plan is to roll it out in August of this year. Um, Of course, the electronic health record modernization is rolling out in March. Um, And then there's there's some interfaces. I would say that's been the challenge between electronic health record modernization and the supply chain modernization is the interfaces for all of these legacy systems where I talk about the discovery. Um, I want to say for us alone in supply chain modernization, it's in the low 90s. 
90 different systems you're finding? Interfaces. Interfaces you're finding? Systems, oh, yes. my gosh. Wow. And, and, and mm-hmm. I think about this because when we modernize the supply chain uh, system as well as we modernize the financial systems, today when a, a contracting specialist, an 1102 series, awards a contract, that does not post into our accounting system potentially for 10 business days. When we modernize and we move to the uh, financial management business transformation, it's going to post immediately. We are going to have real-time data. We are going to have real-time statistics. Uh, Angela is going to talk about category management, but how we can do that strategic sourcing and we can get better buying. Um, and the key is here is the leverage those uh, best business practices. GSA has been a big partner. The DOD is uh, a partner. And um, we're going to bring industry in to help us get, um, get to that, um, the future of where we want right. to be. So talk a little bit about how, the, how this is going to support category management, Angela. Basically, when you look at um, supply chain, the su- modernization of the supply chain, VA has a very large supply chain system. When you consider the uh, over 100 hospital facilities yeah. and then when you add on the clinics to that, it's over 1,100 facilities. So for that purpose, what we have to do is kind of look at that $27 billion uh, acquisition uh, budget that we have that we spend at the VA on a yearly basis is averaging around 27 billion dollars a year. And so what we have to look at is what is the details in that 27 billion dollars that we can look at for the purposes of managing spend, reducing duplication of contracts as well as helping our contracting officers and our contract specialists program managers, just the acquisition workforce as a whole, do a better job with that, with how we spend that $27 billion. So one of the things that we're doing is just looking at the various tools, partnering with industry, partnering with GSA, DOD, and looking across because what we don't want to do is duplicate things that's already working well somewhere else. We want to right. introduce those things to the VA environment so that we can make instant improvements rather than waiting to grow on. Right, right. Don't You don't need to reinvent the wheel <laughs> if it's already been reinvented, right? right? Absolutely. So just real quickly, give about a minute left to say, um, I wanted to ask you this too because you're talking about rolling the thing. So training has got to be a big part Absolutely. of this, right, with the mm-hmm. workforce of how this you know, logistics tool mm-hmm. is going to work. Is, is right. that, uh, right. How is that going? And what we're doing with training, we're, we're actually looking at uh, – Uh, Karen had mentioned earlier about the VA Acquisition Academy. We're looking at the Acquisition Academy, the purpose of the Acquisition Academy, looking at where we may have unique challenges that we need to address in the VA as it relates to training our workforce. Because because the VA is a unique organization from the standpoint of our population of veterans, there's a lot of things that we need to think about, a lot of things that we need to look at. But one of the things that we had done traditionally with the academy is kind of duplicated training that may have been offered at the Defense Acquisition University, at uh, even the Federal Acquisition University. So what we're looking at now, what is the best way to get that just-in-time training for our staff as we identify it. So we're, we're, we're really looking at the academy, looking at how it goes about setting up curriculum, how it goes about uh, getting training, and looking at ways to get credible sources as opposed to trying to duplicate things that are already done. So we're partnering with industry. Just had a conversation yesterday with the University of Maryland, their global campus, mm-hmm. asking them how they can help us, and we're going to do that same thing across the country with community colleges because we realize we still have people across the country, and one of the things that we learned since I've been there, we spent a lot of money on travel, having people to come to the academy. It doesn't make sense in this day of technology that we have. Training is just in time and available. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that makes a lot of sense to me when you talk about if you're, you know, if it's 
if the academy focuses on addressing the unique, unique operational op- needs of the VA, VA. and then Absolutely. the standard training, training. on FAR and Absolutely. all that stuff is already out Absolutely. there all over the place. Absolutely. So it makes and a lot of sense. that is what we're doing. Well, we're at the break. Uh, when we come back, we'll continue our discussion and some of your key initiatives and addressing the management and the data challenges at the VA. My guests today are Karen Brazell. She is the Chief Acquisition Officer. And Angela Billups, she's a Senior Procurement Executive at the VA. I'm Roger Waldron, and you're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Waldron. My guests today are Karen Brazell. She is the Chief Acquisition Officer at the VA, and Angela Billups, who is a Senior Procurement Executive at the VA. And, um, you know, uh, Karen, you know, we talked – you talked a lot about demos and uh, valor and that effort – and you, you mentioned uh, Vision 20. Is, is my understanding, so is that the initial proof of concept? And how is how are you thinking from a strategic perspective as the VA looking at that and versus its um, its current you know procurement approaches like the prime vendor program, that sort of thing? Okay. So, Roger, Vision 20 is where we're rolling out electronic health record modernization first. So that will be at the end of March of this year. That is so, the so go yes, I'm sorry to interrupt. This is... It seems to me, to segue off for a second, that's like the linchpin to this whole – to the modernization effort, to have those medical records and the folks and transfer over seamlessly from DOD to to the VA because that's really the requirement, right? Mm-hmm. The healthcare needs of the veteran and that's where that information is. is that- that's correct. That's correct. So if you say, okay, then then – Valor is the program. That's the VA Logistics Redesign Program. So within it, demos will be the application from the DOD that we will use to point to either our catalog or to the Defense Logistics Agency Troop Support Catalog. So electronic health record modernization is moving out. We're going live at the end of March of this year. Demos will come on board August of this year so that when um, a service member uh, transitions from the military and, and say they have um, a war injury that requires a prosthetic um, or may not be a war in, in an, um, injury because hearing aids are considered prosthetics. We want to make sure that that record, it's a cradle to grave with that prosthetics from the time it's issued, um, tracking the maintenance and um, how it's fit, et cetera, with that, that service member or that veteran. So where demos is going to come into play is what – so medical, surgical supplies and equipment do we need to, prov- to deliver health care? And, and it's all encapsulated in electronic health record modernization and having that one record follow that um, service member from the time they take the oath to the time they become part of the veteran, the ve- part of the veteran's family. So what we want to make sure that we do is that Vision 20 is it is going to be our proof of concept to show that either we're going to use the VA's medical surgical prime vendor contract, which we have today, and there's a new version of it coming out, or we go strictly 100% to the Defense Logistics Agency Troop Support Catalog. We also have some constraints, 38 U.S. Code 8127, the Veterans First Program. What we are doing is ensuring that the DLA is committed to supporting our veteran, service-disabled veteran-owned small businesses as well as our veteran-owned small business community and getting them, get, providing them maximum opportunities to participate. So when that procurement specialist, that acquisition professional, needs medical surgical supplies and equipment, they're going to go to 
um, the catalog. Like I said, it's either going to today it points to our medical service um, surgical um, surgical prime vendor catalog, or it's going to go to DLA and be able to just go into a system, the same system. Everybody will be using the same system and click on that supply, and the catalog will help um, navigate those folks to the strategic sourcing that we are going to utilize at the VA, which fits you know, right in line with the category management that Angela talked about. Additionally, GAO directed the VHA's Procurement and Logistics Office to develop this, this new catalog, the MSPV 2.0, to ensure that we had clinically driven strategic sourcing. So they wanted the clinicians involved, which is, which is where the catalog was developed. We brought in the clinicians, whether they're, um, you know, pulmonary, um, their cardi- cardiology, getting those um, specialists to help us go from having a variance of a couple hundred surgical gloves, for example, down to a set of maybe, you know, 20 or less, and, and to be able to consolidate so that we are getting that strategic buying. Right. So you mentioned GAO, and I know GAO was... Um, has placed the VA acquisition system, let's just say, on the high-risk list. Can you mm-hmm. talk a little bit about that, Angela? Yes. Uh, we were. VA was placed on the GAO high-risk list for acquisition management in March of 2019. And while most people don't like that visit from GAO, uh, I had just come to the VA, probably had been there around three months uh, by that time. And it really... B- VA being added to the to the high risk list for acquisition management has really helped me to do my job because there were there were things over the years that GAO who had come into VA to say here are some things that you need to correct here are some things and that's how you end up on the high risk list when you're just not responding to those recommendations and those findings and so some of the things that we've been able to accomplish this year we had GAO uh, recommendations and findings going all the way back to 2015 in 2019 alone we closed about 90 percent of those. But the way that we did, yes, the way that we did that, we partnered with GAO to say, you know, what is it that you're looking for us to do? Here's the way we think we need to answer this. Can you close it if we get here? And so we made those agreements with each other. We have monthly meetings with them. But the other thing that this being on the high risk list has done, it has caused us to have to look at acquisition management at the VA. And what I am doing is looking at the entire acquisition life cycle introducing an acquisition lifecycle framework, looking at the workforce, not just the 1102s, but the program managers that in some cases we can't find program managers for some of those huge projects that we're doing. And then we're looking on the other side of that because what, what a lot of times people don't understand, you have the program managers up front, you have the 1102s uh, executing the contracts, but something needs to happen to make sure performance is improving on the other end. And so we're putting emphasis on the on the other side and not just on contract administration and contract management, but also performance management. So right. we are going through a major metamorphosis of improving acquisition at the VA from the standpoint of a life cycle perspective. So Angela, have you found like when you're trying to identify the performance measures for individuals and organizations, that's kind of the way you that you, you have to create you create the right incentives for people, right? Mm-hmm. Is that what your experience yes, is? Yes, that's so? exactly what we're trying to do. What we're trying to do now is just look across and, and, and just help people to understand why it's important for us to identify the right people with the right skill sets to do the various jobs within the acquisition life cycle. But another thing that we did this year, we had two acquisition workforce uh, 
uh, innovative symposiums. And so what we did at those symposiums was introduce some of these things that, that Karen has been talking about that we will act. Introduce some methodologies for looking at, what, uh, helping us to look at ways to do things different. And we have a lot of people that are very, very interested in the things that we're doing. One of the things that we're doing now, and it will be rolled out probably the next week sometime, we're introducing the Acquisition Knowledge Portal. On that Acquisition Knowledge Portal, the intent is for it to be one-stop shop for everything acquisition for anyone at the VA that needs to know something. If there's a person out there that not, don't know that they're part of the acquisition life cycle, but someone has asked them, can you write a justification for going to a single source for this? There would be a place that they can go and look, and it'll ask you the question, or your COR asking this question, or your program manager asking this question, or your contracting officer, and it will take them to some tools. Because the other thing that we don't have at the VA is just standardized processes and procedures, and yes. we're going to get there. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> That's you know that sounds like a great tool to give people you know the the tools mm-hmm. they need to do their jobs Absolutely. like if you want to reduce workload that's mm-hmm. what instead Absolutely. of having to scramble Absolutely. around and reinvent the wheel Absolutely. as an employee every time right. they're trying to do something mm-hmm. so it sounds like we've got a minute left so it sounds like so you're going to have sort of parallel uh, you know you're going to be doing your proof of concept and you're but just at the same time you're going to have your your organic you know contracting programs in place as well. And you're going to kind of do an assessment over time, Karen. Is that fair? That's correct. Yeah. Every month we do um, uh, a reconciliation of both programs to look at the offsets. If DLA would have purchased it for us, or D, you know, through the DODE DLA, or if VA would have purchased it, what would have been our cost avoidance? But to be honest, Roger, um, at the end of the day, the projections is we're talking millions of dollars by utilizing strategic sourcing, whether it be the DLA. Sure. Cat, yeah. You know, yeah. there are some efficiencies gained with uh, going to DLA. Yeah. So, and when I come back, I want to, yeah, I think it's, it's an interesting discussion. When I come back, I'll just talk about the clinically driven sourcing and the challenges, I think, in the medical healthcare field about that. Um, and it's just, it's, it's always fascinated me. My guests today are Karen Brazil. She's the chief acquisition officer at the VA and Angela Billups, who's the senior procurement executive at the VA. I'm Roger Waldron, and you're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Waldron. My guests today are Karen Brazell. She is the Chief Acquisition Officer at the VA, and Angela Billups, who is a Senior Procurement Executive at the VA. And um, uh, Karen, I know in the in the last segment, um, we talked some about category management. We also talked about clinically driven sourcing, which I know you know GAO focused on in the high angel and mm-hmm. the high risk list side and I know that you know Congress obviously sort of drove that too um and it's something I think all your stakeholders have been interested in so can you and and you're in process of sort of implementing that um can you talk about what you're seeing from that perspective what are some of the challenges I know when you're talking about healthcare I think it, it, it to me my impression it brings different Baggage isn't the right word, but different challenges in terms of trying to figure out how to how to do that clinically driven sourcing. Absolutely. So I have to give credit to the VHA's procurement and logistics office because we partner quite frequently with them because they are leading the Valor program. It's just that we are bringing our program management expertise and support, so it's more of a partnership because it does affect the entire VA and affects the entire acquisition workforce. But something they've done is taking – for example, I, I want to say they had 80,000-plus items on the existing medical surgical prime vendor catalog, and that's just 
if you think about it, you know, you, I talked about almost 200 different uh, surgical gloves. Um, I'll stand corrected. It's latex gloves. But you have varying prices, and nobody was really looking at, hey, you're paying five bucks here, but you're paying, you know, a couple hundred dollars here. Why? And, and, and taking that down and, and bringing in the clinicians to help, uh, um, to help us help them. Uh, at the end of the day, they're the ones that need those medical, um, surgical supplies and equipment. But at the same time, we have to be good stewards of taxpayer dollars. And and having that many um, supplies and equipment on a catalog doesn't meet industry standards. That's where our industry partners come, came in and said, hey, VA, you know, we really think it should be down to, you know, under 15000 Well, I have to say today... Um, the catalog's right at around 35000 So we've done some significant efforts, and we couldn't have not have done that without the clinician support, bringing them in and helping us identify what we really need. There's still room for improvement, but we have gained some efficiencies, and at the end of the day, it's it's being better stewards of taxpayer dollars and providing better service and support to our veterans. Right. So, And, and you're always dealing with um, – so you're dealing with the most important thing there is, right, a person's health mm-hmm. at the Correct. end of the day. patient safety. So you've got – you know, you've got physician preferences that you hear about, you know, and how you balance that with, you know, the overall, I guess, you being a steward of the taxpayer money and figuring out what the what the right balance is in there. Is that part, is that part of this effort as well? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and again, I, I want to say that we, we've got um, government partners, GSA and DOD, but we could not do this without our um, service-disabled, veteran-owned businesses and our veteran-owned small business community. With them, they are also bringing to us, um, I don't want to say they're coming in and tattling on us, but they're just saying, hey, VA, you're not really doing this the right way. And um, that's one of the, um, that's a personal goal of mine and Angela's. feedback, right? (laughs) And that's just it. Sometimes people don't like constructive feedback, but I will say that Angela and I are committed to hearing what could we have done better or how could you help us improve that uh, service or product? Right. So, um, along those lines, you, um, Angela, I'm going to turn to you for a second, Ed. Um, and can you talk a little bit m- more about the education of your workforce? Mm-hmm. Um, just, we've got like a couple minutes okay. left in the segment. Okay. Just from the perspective, you've got all these changes going on. You're going through all this process. When you think of it as the leader and how you're informing people. You both mentioned communication, internal communication as being vital to this effort. So, How are you tackling that? Well, what we're doing is actually looking at what are we doing right now as it relates to how we've trained people in the past. But we're also looking at how people learn today because people learn quite different. You know, the young people learn quite different even someone, oh, that's for sure. <laughs> and even someone just ten, you know, with ten years of service, learned different from the way that I did. But one of the things that I've done is we're looking now across the federal landscape for acquisition, and what we're saying is we need to change some things. So the other thing, one of the big things that we're working on with uh, OFPP, the Office of Federal Procurement Policy, is trying to introduce critical thinking into the federal landscape for acquisition, so that people have an idea as to how you can bring some biases into things because I've done it this way for 25 years and it works, not understanding that the world has changed. So we're doing a lot of things to look at the way that we train people and getting that training to them in a manner of time that they can use it when they walk away from the class environment. Right. It's like, yeah, well, we always did it that way. Absolutely. Right? That's, oh, the, yes. that's the line, right? That's a, that's, 
That's ubiquitous. That's like you always in government. Absolutely. I mean, I heard that. Absolutely. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, well, anyway, you know what? We're we're up on the end of the show. I want to you know thank thank you guys for coming in. Um, I appreciate it. As and I'm going to ask you, ask you to come back maybe about six months and we can hear how things are going. Yes, no, um, absolutely. And and where you are along the journey of mm-hmm. you know working on the acquisition and logistics support for the VA. My guests today have been Karen Brazell. She's the Chief Acquisition Officer at the VA, and Angela Billups. She is the Senior Procurement Executive at the VA. I'm Roger Waldron, and you've been listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, Ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.